Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm your host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBA Schooled. And today I am excited because I have Sarah Rumba on with me. And Sarah is the uh, founder and CEO of Relish Careers. And uh, this is going to be a really great podcast for a couple of reasons. Number one, I remember when Sarah and Zach were starting, starting off because they started off back as Relish MBA back around the same time that I started MBA Schooled. And I remember coming across them in their first Poets and Quants article and reaching out to them and um, starting, her, uh, starting just a friendship back then. And so I'm really excited to have her on with me today uh, to talk a little bit about what they're seeing out there in the hiring market right now, particularly for MBA students. Um, so Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. And maybe just to start, just give us a little bit, a bit of background on Relish Careers and the company and what you what you do. Awesome. Thank you for having me. That was a nice reflection on when we first met and, and we were both in school finishing our MBAs up at, at the time. So um, I'm excited to talk about us and um, MBA hiring. Hopefully it won't be so a glim for for those listening in. Um, but anyways, uh, as Al said, I am Sarah Rumbaugh, the CEO and co-founder of Relish. Uh, Relish Careers is is one of our platforms, um, which is essentially like Match.com for master's degree students and alumni and the companies who hire them. And um, uh, one of the primary markets we serve is MBA students uh, in particular. So um, we're excited to talk to you today and hopefully we'll have a lot of insights. Great. And thank you for giving us a little bit of background. So let's just let's just start here. Um, you recently or your team recently released a blog post which had a little bit of research that you recently had done, the Relish Careers 2020 Candidate Survey Report. Um, there's a lot of interesting data in there, but maybe just to to start and for our listeners, we'll we'll link the report in the show notes. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about what uh, what some of that data or some of the interesting trends are, you know, out there specifically for MBAs. I know there's a lot in there, but maybe if you could just unpack some of the things that you found that were of interest to an MBA audience. Yeah. So this was you're referring specifically to our our primary annual survey report, which we do every year for uh, current MBA and also MS degree students, first and second years. Um, we, in general, uh, do research on a lot of things and try to track everything that we can that might be helpful uh, for anyone looking for a job in the future. But what's interesting about this particular research, we do it annually and we're able to compare year over year how things change. Now, this year specifically, um, and this was done in April, May uh, 2020, 
Um, reflecting on the prior year recruiting cycle for MBA students. So it's roughly like the prior summer, July, uh, up until that May on um, their academic experience, mostly their recruiting experience during that academic cycle. And for the first time this year, we talked about COVID, right? Because COVID didn't exist before. And so we didn't have a lot of things to compare it to, but some key things we found, um, and specifically as it relates to COVID. So, you know, while this seems negative, I was, I thought these results could have been much worse. So one of the key questions we had was how many people, uh, MBA students um, specifically were uh, impacted by COVID in their recruiting? And more specifically, uh, in regards to offers, had their offer changed or rescinded was one of the biggest things we reported on. So there are some differences between class of 2021, so those who received internship offers, uh, and then class of 2020 who were getting full-time offers. Um, so the impacts were worse for class of 2021. Uh, we largely attributed that to um, internships being less essential than full-time employees, and we found about 36% of survey respondents indicated that um, their internship offer had been changed or rescinded due to COVID. Um, this rate was unfortunately higher for non-domestic students, so international students. Um, it was about 40% of internationals. Um, and only 20% of domestic uh, class of 2021. And then the numbers were not as uh, severe for uh, graduating students from 2020. Um, uh, let me see here, what do I have here? It was about 20% of class of 2020 said that their uh, offers were rescinded or um, changed due to COVID. Now, while that is like really depressing, in a way, I was like, oh, thank God, it's not like 100% right. of numbers. Um, and I think that, for lack of a better word, sucked a lot for um, sure. MBAs. And, you know, we heard a variety of stories of things people did over the summer if they no longer had their internship. Um, I think there, there are other interesting things I want to talk about from, from the survey results as well. But... Um, Anyways, that's one of the key things we found this year that we did not report on in previous years because COVID didn't exist in previous years. Thank you for breaking that down. And I think that looked well, a couple things. Number one, um, in terms of the individuals who, you know, either got their internship offer rescinded or their full-time offers rescinded um, or in some cases, full-time students who are just having a challenging time, you know, finding jobs. I think the important takeaway there is that, you know, uh, particularly if let's start with the internships, right? It's, it's not like these folks sat around on their thumbs all summer, right? So uh, as you alluded to, yeah. they, they found, you know, other, other opportunities in, in a variety of different forms, right? You know, in, in the case of your hometown of Charlottesville, um, I know that the folks at Darden um, did a really uh, did a really good job of finding great opportunities for students um, locally, either on campus or in the local community. And I know many other programs did something similar. I know Berkeley, UC Berkeley, for example, uh, started a, a fund 
um, to, to help fund some internships uh, for, for folks. I know at, at GSB, they put out a call literally to their alum to say, hey, we need to, we need to somehow hire 100, 100 to 150 interns, and they were able to exceed that. And so th there were opportunities that did come about of this. But, but yes, the, the numbers were definitely scary at first, but I agree, it could have been, yeah. definitely been a lot worse. Yeah, we fortunately were able to help um, some schools in, in May. We did a virtual career fair for about 10 schools and um, actually, as a result, hired an MBA from Geis, Illinois, who helped to analyze this very research we're talking about because he was a, a data ana, uh, analytics um, intern for us and, and actually since his full-time job offer the impact he had is that the start date is for yeah. further out in the future and, and while he graduated in may his start date is is still in the future so we decided to extend his internship further and we're that's getting him through through the fall that's that's great i have another great story about that i i know a full-time student who just graduated from unc canaan flagler and his start date got pushed back by a year. Um, and so what he decided to do was that he realized he was probably going to be working for a big company for a while. So he went and started out his own small business. So he actually oh. started a Etsy and eBay store and he uh, produced and sold um, cloth masks. And so far he has said that um, while he fully intends on taking his full-time job when it comes he is making more than enough to pay the bills. And not only that, but he's learned a whole lot about supply chain operations, customer support, accounting, uh, sales. And it's been yeah. a really great, a really great experience for him because he got to do something that he never thought he was ever going to do. And he still is going to obviously take that full-time opportunity when it comes. Um, but it's one of those nice how to make lemonade out of lemon stories. Um, yeah. And then, and then the other anecdotal thing, at least that I've seen is that, um, for the folks who were able to get full-time offers and who were in industries that were potentially impacted, you know, as a result, whether it was retail or entertainment or, um, travel and hospitality and leisure, I've seen a number of people successfully make pivots from those industries to roles in CPG and tech. And, you know, I think you probably, you know, can anyone who understands this market can see why in terms of, you know, tech being an area of opportunity right now. And, you know, we all need our toilet paper. So uh, yeah. those are, those are just a couple of things that I, I have anecdotally seen, but I know that um, you had mentioned that there are some other data points in the research that you had found as well. So um, anything else of interest that you want to uh, want to share? Yeah. And that's a good segue because our, our, our research also indicated what, you just you you have seen anecdotally that industry matters, um, and 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 from us offers by industry, uh, depending on the industry, it, we're not as impacted. For example, manufacturing and healthcare, um, as well as retail, uh, were not as impacted as some other industries, which was interesting because a lot of those. Uh, those industries I uh, just mentioned have had increased demand in uh, operational supply chains due to COVID. Um, 
so that's something that we predict we're going to continue to see this recruiting cycle and um we report recruiting cycles annually so we would say we're now just starting the 2020-21 recruiting cycle for mbas which uh, lasts from about summer 2020 until spring 2021 um i mean this past spring so much of the impacts were due to just change. I mean, yes, COVID caused negative change, but major companies, they had to slow down and change their operations. So drastically switching recruiting from a lot of in-person operations to virtual operations. And at a big company, that type of change takes months and sometimes years. Um, and so for those industries that are still having so much demand they're finally catching up to those operational change is and so i think we're going to see you know strong recruiting at least in several industries this this coming year um but let me go back and talk about some of our our some other key findings from the research so one thing that i thought was interesting comparing from the prior year um we had a decrease from our 2019 and our 2018 um, annual same survey of less um, folks getting offers in tech and consulting, which I was a little bit surprised by, particularly tech. Um, but some it's it gets confusing because it's almost like most industries are becoming tech, right? Like we've had increases in retail, but what retail companies does it does it include retail companies that have technology so and in so many of our financial services clients uh, you know they're emphasizing their tech positions their product management roles their software development roles because nowadays almost every industry is tech that was interesting a couple more things that i found industry so we did correlation between um what from someone's resume or background correlated to them receiving more offers? Um, and the number one thing was a full-time MBA program versus a part-time MBA program or an MS degree. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised by this, like anecdotally or just, you know, but I was kind of surprised that the data said this, even though overall it makes sense to me. Um, it's something to keep in mind for prospective uh, MBAs and the, the growing trend of MS degrees, which have their place um, for very specific paths, you know, um, an analytics pass, path, for example, uh, it makes so much sense to pursue maybe uh, an MS in business analytics. Um, there's a growing trend of part-time programs, which I think individuals are considering more because of the pandemic and for whatever reason um, the full-time MBA programs are still showing the strongest correlation of number of offers and those programs often come with the career services support from the school that the other programs just don't have so that's an important thing to keep in mind let me see um lastly um we saw that if candidates had a specific industry preference and it was one of the industries that is performing well healthcare cpg retail 
um, manufacturing, they ended up having more offers. And what I want to say about this is, while most MBAs are career switchers, and you do, there is a time and a place for figuring out what you want. If it's possible to to figure out what you want, it it helps um, putting your best foot forward in those industries. Um, Whereas those who pursue private equity, which, hey, if that's what you want, go in. If, if I wanted that, I, I, I would go for it. But um, there's a higher percentage of folks who end up disappointed um, with an industry path like that just because there's, there's less opportunity. Um, so that, that was a few more things from, from this particular uh, survey results. Thank you for that. And I think a couple of things kind of stand out. So with respect to the the first one about the correlation with the value of an, a full-time MBA program, I think that, you know, speaks directionally at least to the, still the, the brand recognition of the full-time being the, the prestigious of, of the different types of graduate business programs that that's out there and, and just the what what comes with that. But what I think it also means is that if you, to your point, if you are considering graduate business programs in general is just being very thoughtful about what outcome you're trying to achieve and then making sure that whatever program you you do select is is going to help you you know achieve that you know specific outcome right yeah and you know i think about the full-time program right it's like if you're if you're trying to move up in your company or if you're not as concerned you know if you're trying to enrich your your learning or grow your business acumen but you, you have plans to stay within that company well, a full-time or a part-time program could be a great opportunity for you, you know, particularly if you're not necessarily worried about as many of those career services. Um, the one other thing I would say, and something I saw a little bit of, and I quite frankly, I hope I see more of it, um, is that there are a number of schools, particularly as a result of COVID, who I look at Berkeley Haas as an example. A lot of full-time students, the Berkeley Haas program, want to go work at the companies that the students from the evening and weekend programs work at right now, right? Ah, interesting. And so yeah. there is a lot of good collaboration and support uh, across pollination between the programs because, you know, if you want to work at Facebook, why wouldn't you go and talk to the people who already work there, who in some cases are at a point where they could influence a hiring headcount or- You in- definitely should go down yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And so, I, I mean, I think that, I think that nothing's changed, right? Like that's always been an opportunity that's always been there, but because of COVID and because we're all virtual anyway, I think schools are started to lean more into really trying to look for other ways to really promote that because why, like, why, why wouldn't you, it, you know, it just, it makes too much sense not to. And so I hope that continues to happen because it just, it's only going to benefit. It's only going to benefit everyone, but, um, but Yeah. Okay, well, let's, this is a good segue because you've kind of teed up what you've seen. You've kind of talked about the recruiting trends for the year. So let's, uh, let's talk about this, this coming year. Um, so recently, you, you guys were cited in the Wall Street Journal. So congrats on that. But the Thank article you. itself uh, was titled, uh, MBAs are usually swimming in job offers, but not but in job offers by now, not this year. So, um, and just as a summary, um, the article kind of highlights um, it quotes a couple different schools in terms of what their career offices are seeing, but also highlights a couple companies who they frame as companies who would have traditionally recruited a certain number of uh, students this fall who 
are either not recruiting those students or recruiting significantly less. And I am just in, you know, I think if you read it on first glance, you would probably kind of look at that and say, oh, this looks like a pretty challenging time to find a job. But I'm just curious, you know, from your vantage point and, you know, from the employers you talk to, from the action that you see on your platform, um, what are you, what are you, what are you guys seeing? Yeah. And I mean, first things first, it was certainly, we were honored for them to reference our research, which our research that they referenced was about the past, what happened this past spring um, as a result of COVID. But the general sentiment of their article, as you said, is, is, is about the future and what recruiting is going to look like. And I was a bit surprised and somewhat disappointed that the primary sentiment was the market doesn't look good uh, for MBAs. And it is it certainly was inconsistent from, from what we are at least anecdotally seeing from companies, but also other research uh, we've been following and the data that we do have. Um, I mean, I'd say first, I believe that article was primarily quoting the consulting industry, if I recall yep. correctly. And yep. I was even surprised with that, that the consulting industry may have that significant of, of reductions, but I don't recall any reference to other industries, I don't think. So that's something to keep in mind as a job seeker, that, that there's much more than consulting uh, when it comes to um, MBA job opportunity. So from our end, and we work with employers, they're our primary customer, uh, um, in front, at least from a revenue standpoint, um, job seekers are very important to us as, as well. Um, we haven't had one employer that we work with tell us that they're not recruiting uh, this year or de decreasing their numbers. I mean, at most there may be like a five to 10% reduction, but fairly nominal. And honestly, I would say most are even increasing. Um, with that said, there is an extreme amount of operational change, which I kind of alluded to. So number one, the biggest difference this year is everything's going to be virtual. We know that, you know, the schools are even mandating that across the board that um, if they... Uh, traditionally have on-campus recruitment where recruiters come to campus. That is not happening at all this year. And as a result, recruiters at companies are navigating this new world, which operationally takes a long time to get used to. So there is not going to be a blueprint for recruiting this year. Um, keep in mind that it's going to be virtual and you, as a job seeker, should try to engage in whatever avenues you can. I know it can be a lot sometimes and be time consuming, um, but I think that's gonna be an important part, trying to get out there virtually and participate in different types of opportunities. Um, a key point that we learned from um, employers as a result of how they're thinking about recruiting for this coming year is um, thinking about it in regards to what they did and what they saw with the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. So we had several employers tell us that if they in any part of their business uh, pulled back 
on recruiting efforts as a result of the financial crisis. That once the economy got better, it took them several several years to rebuild their recruiting programs. And it, it hurt um, for many years to come when they needed to recruit in greater numbers. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of employers continue with these efforts um, and continuing to have internships. Now, internships may be virtual again next summer, which is, which is hard in of itself, even if the vaccine is out there and, and it feels safer. Uh, it, it takes time to put in the operational mechanisms to have things in person, even if as a society we're ready for it. Um, but uh, while everything is new, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know for sure because most of the interviews and hiring will take place this coming November through March. Um, the data we're receiving is many industries, particularly tech, retail, manufacturing, healthcare, are recruiting want to recruit uh, and don't plan on recruiting, uh, reducing their, their recruiting efforts. Thank, thanks for that. And let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So the first thing to your point in the article, it, it did talk a lot about consulting firms. And I think the important thing to remember there is that, yes, in the article, it said that there are some firms who are not going to be recruiting nearly what they would have on campus this fall. Uh, it's important to remember that for the majority of management consulting firms who recruit at top MBA programs, their primary strategy always is to convert the summer associates that they have so that they can do the least amount of recruiting in the fall. And yeah. in a good year, in some cases, in a good year, in some cases, a school will send one or two students in the fall to a full-time role. And the reason why, I mean, in some cases at a really good school, they'll send zero. And the reason why is because they converted all of the summer associates. So yes, there, I think the, the company that was quoted in there was PwC. And they said that they were not going to be relying on recruiting second year students for full-time roles in the fall. But it, it's also important to acknowledge that even before all this happened, their intent and their strategy was to limit the amount of recruiting that they would have had to do in the fall. And if when they do that, they were actually doing it the right way because it meant that they were identifying the right candidates who were having a great experience and who were already converting. So all which to say, context matters. So number one, and the second thing I was going to add is that in the anecdotal conversations I have had, I very much have seen what you have seen in terms of companies are not slowing down, at least for right now, in terms of hiring for the reason of, that you just outlined, because they made that mistake before. And at least at this point, they feel in a much better position to keep the trains moving. Now, if things happen down the road, who knows what's going to happen. But for now, at least they feel comfortable pr proceeding forward until they get better information to, you know, potentially make a change. Um, because to, I mean, even if you look at these full-time opportunities, if you hire now, there in theory is a chance that you could go through a challenging couple months, but things might be a little bit better by the time a, a full-time hire actually graduates from business school and joins next July or August or September or whenever it is, which is when you would want to. hope so. Yeah, that's the, so that's the hope. So uh, I don't doubt for a second that there's plenty of things in the article that um, uh, are probably cause for concern, but I do think like anything, context, context always matters. So I think it's good yeah. 
to, to provide that. And it's good that you have data too, to, to really illustrate that. Can I actually, I didn't even reference uh, uh, this. Um, so we are hosting actually next week, um, mm-hmm. a virtual conference and virtual career fair. It's from September 16th through 18th. Mm-hmm. And we have 18 MBA schools sponsoring it. Um, although any MBA student uh, can can join as a premium uh, registrant, um, and then we have, I believe, twenty three employers sponsoring it. Um, only a couple from consulting, and then just just about every other industry represented. Um, and um, the majority of of those companies are recruiting for full time and internships. There is a greater number though uh, recruiting for internships. Uh, With that same strategy that you just referenced, um, uh, so at really kind of any big company um, that has MBA programs, it's it's often a a strategy that they hire interns and hope to convert those interns to full-time hires. So that um, uh, even with virtual operations. So, uh, just a little plug, any, uh, incoming yeah. second year MBAs, uh, if you go to relishconnect.com, that is our platform website for, uh, the virtual career fair we're hosting next week and you can totally check it out and, and sign up, uh, to attend the event. That's great. And we'll make sure we link that in the show notes so that everyone can go and attend. Um, so I know that you previously mentioned it's a little bit hard to prognosticate or predict what's going to happen this year, but I am going to ask you to do that because you know a lot of this world very well. One of the things that we you've mentioned and we've talked about a little bit is that uh, it's very clear that things are going to look a little bit different this year, um, that there are um, some things that, you know, very much so that were done in the past that we just can't do right now, um, company events on campus, you know, kind of being one of them. But I am curious if you want to put on your uh, prognosticator hat for a little bit. Um, look, like I think one of the interesting things about times like this is that it does give us a chance to ca- pause and reflect and think, was everything working exactly how we wanted it to before? And if we take that for hiring in full time or hiring for interns in full-time, if we ask ourselves that question, the answer is probably no. There probably were some things that were less than ideal or suboptimal. So I'm just curious from your perspective, either out of what you think or just maybe what you hope, what kinds of changes or alterations do you think could happen to just how we do recruiting for interns or full-time, you know, uh, moving forward? Um, You know, what potentially could change and perhaps maybe change in in a good way? Yeah, no, I, I I get excited thinking about this and, and the potential and, and what could be in a good way and for the better moving forward. Um, so the first thing, which is kind of like the no brainer answer, like I don't really need a crystal ball for this. So the biggest change is that it's gonna all going to be virtual. We've said this and uh, I know that is right. So I'm saying it first and foremost. So that's the biggest thing. Next, I would talk about, I would say recruiting operations is going to be a big change. And the biggest thing is that it is going to be kind of sort of all new and maybe inconsistent. And this is not for necessarily the better 
Um, but MBA recruiting programs are annual programs. They Employers strategize what they're going to look like 12 months before they happen. And, and COVID ended that possibility. So they are massive programs that take a lot of logistics, just like event planning for a wedding, for example. Um, and so I think both at the career office and with employers, it's going to be unpredictable. Um, uh, you're going to be having to attend more events on the fly, potentially, or last minute opportunities are going to come up, or there might be changes in the interview process as you're going through the interview process. This is sort of kind of some of the unfortunate side effects that I think we're going to see, which hopefully won't live on for years to come. Um, and hopefully some companies will have learned from the same changes they experienced in spring 2020 and be able to create uh, more consistency this fall and winter uh, into 2021. Um, so I, I'm putting this out there to, to, to say, kind of expect this to be the case from your career offices and from employers that it, it might be hard to get a perfect script for what things are going to look like and will serve you well to have some flexibility and, and adaptability where, where possible. Um, okay, and then as far as things that I hope for and, and that I think we will see um, is more creativity on what virtual looks like. So, for in-person recruiting, which we aren't going to have, it's interesting to think about what do you remember? What does someone typically remember from a career fair or a networking event? Just like go inside your head. Think of like a, a networking event you went to and what you remember. It might just be something unrelated to the corporate company, or for example, you might say, hey, I went to the, I met that guy who, who uh, sw uh, was on the swimming team at UNC, and, and we met when we were kids. Like at in-person events, you tend to remember things that are more social or personal that just randomly come up. And recruiters tell us those are key components in understanding candidates and developing relationships with them. And that's true for candidates, too. Like, you want to know the company brand and culture, but you also want to um, relate to someone on a personal level and, and like them based on, like, mutual experiences. So what I hope to see and I, what I think we will start to see is how do we incorporate those types of elements into virtual recruiting? Because you have to be more intentional to ensure they happen. Um, and so, for example, with our conference, we are having candidates fill out information about all their personal interests and having recruiters do the same and matching it up. It almost sounds like too intentional, too forceful, um, and, and, and we're still learning on different ways to do this. We are hoping to in the future hold like trivia events between candidates and employers, things that are outside of the box and allow both sides to really relate to each other on a personal level, because sometimes that's harder to recreate through virtual recruiting. But even in the future going forward, I really hope that 
you know, folks continue to do virtual recruiting because it's not a replacement, it's a complement and it's a diversification strategy. And, you know, you can be high touch virtually, it's just not as easy. And so I hope that this year will help all of us to find more w ways to be creative about high touch components in a virtual setting. Thanks for, for that. Thanks for that. I think that's all really insightful and I love the creativity. Um, it's funny as you were talking about asking for those personal characteristics of people and trying to match people up. It sounded like you were actually trying to be the match.com for recruiting and bring life, which you are, which, yeah. which I think is great. But no, I mean, I, I think that, and I work with folks who are very much steeped in this idea around in this concept around design thinking. But one of the, one of the principles of design thinking really is around being able to embrace constraints to unlock creativity. And I think what you're doing is kind of an example, you know, of that, right. In terms of, okay, we, we know that um, we know it's important for people to get to know each other on a personal level. How can we use the virtual world and lean into that as a way to kind of facilitate that from facilitate that in happening. And so I think that's a really, I think that's a really great idea. And you're right. I mean, when you're going to these, and this is kind of a, no offense to company events, but this is kind of the knock on them, right? Is what you're highlighting, right? It's like, if you're going to a company event um, and you're an employer and you have, I don't know, eight of your staff that are there, and then you have a hundred candidates, how do you remember all of them, right? It's so, right. it can be really challenging to kind of make that happen. And so how might a breakout room work in, in, on a Zoom work in a better way? Or how might uh, uh, a couple icebreakers, you know, work in a better way or something like that yeah. to, help, to help kind of solidify or put a face, a face to or a name to the face or a face to the name or, or what have you. Um, one of the other things I've been, I've been wondering and thinking about is just so, and I'm sure you have thought about this because you run a business, but if you're a company that if you're a Deloitte that literally flew consultants to uh, Darden or to UNC or to wherever, four or five times throughout the course of a semester, that's a whole lot of dough. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that money going? Right? Like what, how can that money, I mean, and, and granted, like not just like in the sense of um, uh, wanting to get their money, but like there's opportunity, there's gotta be some opportunities out there to do some interesting thing. Cause it's, you know, I mean, sure. Some of it is they're going to have to be more thoughtful about how they spend it, but there could be some really interesting things that could come of that. Right. Because uh, there, there, you know, that it's there. Right. And so if I'm a company, I'm, you know, I got to start thinking like, I, in my mind, I got to start thinking like a marketer, like, how can I, if this is my advertising budget, how can I engage students in a way that is going to make them interested in, in, in engaging with me, knowing that I'm not going to have the same amount of touch points physically that I used to have, yeah. you know, like what creative things can I do? Like, how can I reach out to them in unique ways so that they, cause it's a two way, it is a two way street for a lot of these yeah. companies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so those are the questions that employers are trying to answer. And, and it shows you why these operational changes can be so time consuming sure. and, and hard to do from, from the employer side as well. And schools are having to do the same thing. And, and the career offices of schools are not necessarily made up of, uh, you know, digital marketers. <laughs> of course. Yes. Okay. This is great. Um, so let's 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 kind of wrap here. Um, I want to wrap by giving you a chance to maybe give some advice, you know, particularly as we think about this coming year and all that we've talked about in some of the potential changes and some of the things that might be are going to go away. Some of the things we don't know are going to happen yet, but we know something will happen. 
but let's make sense of this for a couple different populations. Okay, so let's start with our first year MBA students who are starting kind of their career exploration or internship searches. Um, knowing everything that's going on, you know, what advice do you have for those first year incoming or just started MBA students? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say a couple of things, maybe three things. First, I am a big believer in gut feeling. Um, your stereotypical type A MBA likes to do an analysis for decisions and try to find the best decision based on things that you can quantify. Um, but your career and your MBA in general is much more than things that you can easily quantify. Like what makes you happy socially, career-wise, uh, and other. So while sometimes it's hard to understand your gut and fear can get in the way of understanding what your gut is telling you you really want, I think it's really important to remember that if at your heart you want to be an entrepreneur or at your heart you want to be something else, um, that is a really important consideration and is sometimes left out of a analysis of the path you should choose. So I would say listen to that gut and there's an extreme amount of risk in, in, in not following your passion. Um, next, so this is from our survey, our annual survey from last year. Um, we found that uh, candidates who started their recruiting before September, I know where it's right now, we're what, so early September, so, so we've missed the deadline, but you're close, uh, were more satisfied with the recruiting experience. So starting recruiting early is very important, and that doesn't necessarily mean applying for jobs. It means just being mindful and thinking about your career path and doing some research. Um, at the least, that what it, that's what it means to get started. And as soon as you do the research, you find out what the paths are and what you need to do next. And then lastly, from our annual survey last year, we also learned that those who spent more than 10 hours per week on recruiting were the most dissatisfied with their outcome. But the second population that uh, was dissatisfied was were those that spent less than two hours per week on um, recruiting. So what that means is there's a sweet spot. Like you don't have to spend all your time finding the perfect option, but you do need to, to spend some time with recruiting. And there's a healthy balance, um, basically, to just be comfortable with um, and spend some time weekly thinking about recruiting. I think those are great insights and, and great advice for the first years. Okay, how about our second years? So our folks who just came back from internships starting their second year, um, assuming that you know the, these are not the ones who have already accepted offers, but um, who are job seeking, what advice do you yeah. have for them? I'm guessing this population is very nervous. I would be nervous if I were them, um, but I, I wouldn't say those nerves are necessarily warranted. Uh, and the reason why I would be nervous if I were you, even though I think it's not necessarily warranted, is that it's it's new environment. And you only have one more year of, of your MBA to, to, find, to find that perfect job. Um, but I, why I don't think it's necessarily warranted is because it's going to be better than it was in spring 2020. 
right? So COVID came in spring 2020 and there was no time for uh, basically everyone to deal with the changes that, that it included. But now recruiters have dealt with those changes and they're hiring. So there is gonna be hope and more opportunity. Um, I think the biggest impact you're gonna see is as far as offers uh, uh, you're considering or maybe getting is later start dates. Um, and so trying to think about what can you, what's the opportunity with, with the, the potential negative impact there? If you have an offer and a later start date, there's a huge opportunity to um, start a business as Al's friend did or go travel or um, spend more time um, hanging with your friends. So I would say, you know, it will be better than it was last spring. Start dates may be impacted and recruiting is going to be virtual. So you, you won't have to go to as many in-person events, which may be nice, um, but also scary. Yes, I think, I think that, I think that is, I think that's right. And I definitely agree with that. Okay. Last one. So what about those prospective students who are evaluating, evaluating whether or not they want to pursue an MBA right now? And, you know, they're kind of thinking through about, well, well where is this going to get me? Or, or what is, what is the job market even going to be like, you know, in the future? You know, what, you know, this is a little bit forward thinking, but what kind of advice would you have with, for them as they're more thinking about how will this MBA help me, you know, achieve some sort of career growth down the road? Yeah, so for prospective MBAs, I would say first ask yourself if if COVID never happened, if it didn't exist, yeah. would you be considering an MBA? Was it something that was already part of your plan or did it become part of your plan because of COVID? I think that's going to be a first question to ask yourself because if it was already part of your plan it may be the best time than ever to go to school um other than the fact that your academics might be completely virtual which is another total uh, factor so taking into account um what you think about virtual learning um how you value at that the cost of that um but thinking about the job market two years from now, I wouldn't be more worried about that than if COVID never existed. Um, because you can't be, and chances are it can, it, it's only going to be better. Um, uh, so uh, with that said, you know, there's so many different reasons why you could be considering an MBA. And, and the one thing that I always say, and this is true regardless of COVID, I'm a big advocate for the MBA degree. And uh, I believe that it is the one master's degree that expands your options versus narrows them. So virtually all other master's degrees, for example, if you're going to medical school, you're probably going to be a doctor. If you're going to law school, your intention is likely, hopefully, to be a lawyer. Whereas an MBA today, there are so many career paths. It used to be mostly banking and consulting, but today there are uh, more product managers uh, coming out of MBA programs uh, than there are uh, consultants. So there are a lot of different paths and options for an MBA, and I really think it's the one master's degree that actually expands your options. So 
Um, I'm an advocate. <laughs> yeah, I am as well. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing all of your, your insights and thoughts uh, from what you've seen over at Relish Careers. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.